Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am here with Dan Blanco, who's a senior developer advocate for AWS Infrastructure. And we're going to talk about everything in the exciting world of infrastructure as code. For those of you who've been wondering where I've been, I got a bad flu over the holiday that turned into bronchitis and pneumonia. Uh, so I am so glad that I've recovered, that we have modern medicine, and I am really excited to be back in the studio and recording. So Dan, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and talk about this with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Welcome back. Um, congratulations for beating <laughs> that thing. Yeah, thank you. So let's talk a little bit about your background because, oh my goodness uh your journey and gaming in there i'll try to like hold back my gamer uh why don't we just spend five minutes and start from the beginning of what dan's journey looked like yeah sure um i actually started as a cook right doesn't make any sense to start your tech career as a cook I know, but it's amazing kind of the way that i did i went to culinary school did the whole yeah. you know like haute cuisine worked in french restaurants where everybody had tweezers and um yeah yeah, put put together 18 little plates to send out. Um, and I did that for like four years and I hated it. <laughs> I am glad that you realized that it's okay in life to pivot. Oh my goodness. Even in tech, I've pivoted so many times. And it's so important to like, you wake up in the morning and you're excited about something. Right. Because it's so hard to be good at it if you're, if you're not excited. I want to ask you, you're the first person I know and one of my kids is thinking about going to be a, a chef. Yep. What was the one thing that maybe people don't know about culinary school that you wouldn't expect looking back? Um, there is a lot more theory than you would expect. The way- yeah, So it's like art it, school. Yeah, so so it, it, there was the, the day of theory, which you spend a day in the classroom. Um, yeah. I think it was like four hours learning about the thing that you were gonna cook the next time. And then you actually right. go in and apply that theory and, hey, here's how it browns. Here's the two different ways of, you know, roasting. And here's what happens if you add um, vinegar to water that has um, uh, broccoli in it and you cook it in it. It actually turns to mush, but it's this brilliant green color that's beautiful. Yeah. To look at. It, inedible. You can't eat it. Um, so it's little things like that that I just did not expect. And there was lots and lots and lots of theory. Yeah, I... It's funny, I go down all these rabbit holes on YouTube. So being sick and spending all this time, I actually, a lot of it was the history of specific dishes. And I, you know, finding out in medieval times, people used to put gold flakes on food, especially if you were, you know, nobility, you wanted to show it off. But even towards the end, you know, there were stories of like nuns putting gold flakes on the, the pastries and, and uh, looking at like, Wiener schnitzel. I went down that rabbit hole and it's like everyone claims that they started it, but actually you see how it was used differently and you know how it was served. It used to be served with like a spicy sauce and now it's mm -hmm. like, I apologize to the audience who may be getting hungry right now. I love Wiener schnitzel and I would go to travel for Europe uh, all the time. So uh, yeah, we're going to have lots of food analogies today, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So you're four years in, you're like, you know what? There'll always be a place for cooking in my heart but it's right. not where I want to spend my life. Right. So what was next? Correct. Um, I actually uh, got like one of those free courses, learn how to program here. And I was like, this is pretty neat. 
And then I yeah. kept going. I kept digging at it. I kept doing more and more challenges and, you know, building a website. And then I was like, I think I might be ready for a dev job after like a year wow. and a half. So I just kind of applied and someone was like, yeah, we'll take you. Um, wow. And that was a little movie ticketing company. Um, they just sold movie tickets, you know, for like little mom and pop shops. Um, yeah. Was this like in, when was this? Was like the rise of the internet, mobile, cloud, like what kind oh, of time this space? Was, this was early, early, like, I want to say like 06, maybe 07, uh, a, a good while ago. Yeah. Um, iPhone's not even out yet. Started. iPhone was 2007. Yeah. So we're still using Blackberries and yeah. Windows phones. I was series. like just getting started. We, we really like, th there was no mobile passes. There was nothing like that. And at that point, like no one had really used the cloud in the company. They were just starting to get into the cloud. And then yeah, 2006, like S3 and EC2. Yeah. I, we, we, yeah. we didn't really have a ton of oversight in our department, the department that I was in. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to build something awesome. cloud native, as cloud native as you could, you know, at yeah, that yeah. time. Um, and that was the company's first little project. I was fully in the cloud using RDS and EC2. And it was a ton of fun. Wow. That one, I was like, this is great. Um, and from there, completely off track, I got a call from EA and they're like, hey, you want to come make games? Yes, I do. Oh, uh -huh. so jealous. I know, I know. It, it, on, a, on a Thursday, they called. And on a Friday, I was heading to interview. Um, oh, that's awesome. Up in the Tiburon um, location yeah. in Orlando. And they yeah. were making Madden. And they were like, you want to come help us build tools? To uh, make Madden was so huge still yeah. around that time too on yeah. PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I ended up making Madden, made it for a couple years. Um, we what did language? Was that all C? A lot of C in game development. Yeah, it was C++. It was C++ okay. and the front end, the actual UI w was built in Flash. Um, oh, interesting. A lot of what I've seen is like internal tools in the gaming industry, at least at that time, there was a lot of C Sharp too. And then yeah, Unity. Yeah, the actual internal tools, you're 100% right, was C yeah. Sharp. Yeah. Because I was working at Microsoft at the time and I was like, oh, maybe I can't work for a game company, but I helped launch C Sharp. And it was kind of cool to like see what they were building and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And then I noticed C Sharp. Even today, because I play a lot of older games, it made its way a lot into the launchers and the patcher system. So you still see that. I'm like, oh, I know this actual uh, UI widget. I'm like, I can tell that it's .NET. Yeah. 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 And, and they were like experimenting at the time with like, hey, do we use HTML, JavaScript, and CSS for some of the actual like front ends to some of these games? I know Tiger. Yeah. Um, that for a while. Um, and, and then from that point, like, so the way that it works in the gaming system is, is, you have the off-season and the on-season. The off-season, you make content for the game and you actually actively support it. And in the on-season, yeah. it's time to build the next game. It's time to build the next Madden. And then yeah. from there, I actually go in with the team and actually you know, build it um, and, and build Madden and, and do tools and stuff like that. Whereas in the off-season, you build tools to support content creation. Uh, and then from there, I ended up uh, joining AWS. I joined the CloudFormation oh. Service team. And was there for a couple of years as an actual engineer on the team um, for, I think, like two, Early maybe three days years. of YAML then. Yeah. And looking at how we can programmatically access cloud resources. Correct. Right. And, and yeah. we'll talk about that in, in just a little bit. But yeah, like the, 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 the idea of what is the building blocks to right. doing infrastructure just a little bit better. Um, from that point, I snuck my way into a reinvent basically um they needed help you know they, they needed all hands on deck i'm pretty good at talking to folks 
So yeah. I convinced one of the developer advocates to let me write, you know, um, one of the sessions and we did really well. We got a top five reInvent speaker award that year. Oh, of course. Um, that's awesome. And, yeah. And then he was like, Hey, I'm leaving and I've recommended you for my job. And that's kind of how I'm here. Um, wow. See the yeah. importance of network and being able to have passion and deliver. Yep. Yep. Um, I ended up leaving for a little bit after, you know, during the pandemic, I wanted to move back closer to my family. Amazon wasn't doing oh, well yeah. back then. And then I joined a little FinTech company, you know, kind of worked on them from the ground up to kind of redo, you know, their entire stack um, to support a bunch of more transactions. They like toppled over at 10 transactions before we joined. And at the end, oh. they were doing, you know, thousands every day. It was great. And now I'm back at AWS. I've been here for nearly two years. Um, wow. Awesome. Well, that that's how we met. So um, let's talk about infrastructure as code and everything that it fixes, the problems that it gives. Uh, how would you describe it for folks? I think probably about half the audience is going to know what we're talking about. And the other half, this is going to be a great introduction for them. Sure. Sandwich analogy. Uh, I like food. Yeah, analogies. let's do it. Um, so imagine we are in the kitchen. It's lunchtime. I'm hungry. I'm making myself a sandwich. Um, and you come in and you go, hey, that sandwich looks really good. Can you make me one? Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Trivial, right? To make a sandwich if I have the ingredients. But then you lay kind of a big requirement on me. It must be exactly the same as the sandwich that you're making. There can be no differences between them. Well, I can come close. I can get really close, but can I make the exact same sandwich? The tomato has to be the same thickness and juiciness and all the salt flakes have to be in the same location. That's really hard, but I'm detail oriented and I really put my mind to it and I come 99.5% close, right? That's good enough for just about every case, but you want it exactly. Um, so I couldn't quite do that. Uh, another coworker comes and says, hey, I want the same sandwich also, right? That is going to take me all day to make three sandwiches that are exactly the same. That it, it, it just can't. I, I can't make three sandwiches exactly the same. There will always be slight differences. Um, it's really not possible. The more complicated the sandwich, the harder it gets. Um, right. And some places may want more than three sandwiches, right? And like, this isn't a real example. I'm just kind of making stuff up. doesn't make a lot of sense. But this is exactly what builders everywhere have to deal with when they're making environments. I want to make dev, test, and prod, but they are all slightly different. If you've dealt with these environments, you've dealt with situations where production is slightly different from test, and you can't replicate this problem that you're running into. No matter right. how hard you try, it is just slightly different. And newer organizations want one like AWS sandbox account per developer. If you have to do that by hand, that's your job. You will be doing that 24-7 and really doing nothing else and making mistakes because you're human. That's just kind of natural. So this is where infrastructure as code comes in. You come in and you tell us what your sandwich looks like. And infrastructure as code will build that sandwich the same every time. Repeatable and reliable. To make multiple sandwiches, you can make multiple sandwiches all at the same time. One person is not tied up making all of these sandwiches. You can do, you know, an, an environment per account, per developer, per region, trivially, really simply, right? So that's, in, in my opinion, the value of infrastructure as code. 
of like the actual building of the resources. Yeah, I love the analogy because there's certain concepts that people don't even think about unless you're coding every day is a consistent developer environment for every developer to deploying multiple developer environments, giving developers the ability to play and experiment and being able to do this in a programmatic, efficient way. And so those benefits, right? We get into kind of what we all think about in this modern age when we're creating code of automation and you know disaster recovery. And what do those benefits look like out of the box with IAC? Sure. So for IAC, um, the automation part is like the focal point, right? I can give um, CloudFormation a representation of my architecture and it will be able to make it automatically. I can build tools on top of this. I can make a pipeline that will repeatedly, you know, check to make sure that everything is deployed. Um, we just released Git Sync, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, another one is auditability. Because I am writing down what my architecture looks like, I can look at it. I can say, this looks wrong. This needs to be improved. I can write tools around it to read that file and say, this bucket is not encrypted. I now have sunlight that you wasn't there before. I can run linting against it. I can put it as part of my CICD process. The cool thing about infrastructure as code is that it treats your infrastructure as code. It is code, right? A lot of folks that I talk to tend to not treat configuration files, which is what this is, as code. But it's just as important as your code. If I were to get into your DNS configuration, could I take down production? Trivially, right? Nice. Super simply. How many times is, oh, it was DNS. DNS was the problem almost all the time. Um, right. It's that important. So to have that auditability is really important and it allows you to deploy safely and with confidence. Um, disaster recovery, I think you hit the nail on the head here. Hey, I have um, an application in one region. I want to make sure that I can fail over if I need to. If I did it by hand, can you guarantee that you're going to do it the exact same way in a second location if you have a complicated, you know, complex architecture? Probably not. Infrastructure as code can. And the last one is um, cost savings is a big one because a lot of the times, you just kind of forget that you did a thing. I'm running an experiment and I want to tear it all down. Did I get every resource? Am I 100% sure? I can spend time looking at it or I can just click delete on the CloudFormation stack. And then I know that everything's going to get deleted. Um, there's a lot of benefit in saving time. Um, and I think that folks don't tend to realize this as much. Time is a very important resource. You can always raise more money. You can never raise more time. And I think that's that's true in life. I um, having control and the ability to take time out and and learn and uh, it's just to use. I, I just keep you're a gamer, so I keep laughing because I I've played World of Warcraft for years, as if you can't see behind me. And <laughs> Blizzard announced World of Warcraft Catalyst, Cataclysm is coming for Classic. Sure. And the Goblin race on the Horde side is actually part of that and there's i hear a goblin in my head all the time that says time is money friend it's it's like Got what it. they say you know uh part yeah. of that that pyramid 100 and, and folks tend to not take the time like cost of things into consideration there's a lot of 
oh, I've paid for a developer, so their time is free. Yeah. Right? That's and not quite the case. They're actually one of the most expensive parts of running an organization. So to make sure that their time is being used efficiently, like this really helps. Having eight developers stuck because um, the developer environment is misconfigured, that's a lot of money that you're just kind of churning because you didn't want to adopt a tool that would have saved you that time. So, yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a developer podcast. I always like to say, you know, we want to meet developers where they are. Let's break this out as a developer. Let's start with the code. If I haven't touched any of this, any IAC stuff before, what does it look like practically from a code perspective? Sure. So there's really three ways to kind of approach infrastructure as code. Um, and since this is a developer-focused podcast, I'm going to start with CDK, right? Um, CDK yeah. is like the new hotness for the infrastructure as code team. Um, and it is a programmatic way to declare your infrastructure. And you can use you know, general programming languages that you're used to. You can use TypeScript, you can use Python, Go, Java, et cetera. We support a lot of them. Um, and you actually define what your infrastructure looks like. You can use, you know, the familiar uh, language flow constructs that you're used to, if else, stuff like that, to actually generate your infrastructure as code and deploy it using CDK. Um, if you're kind of like me, a little bit older school, I really like the idea of representing my infrastructure as YAML. Um, and for YAML and JSON, we have base CloudFormation, right? Um, we're adding features to the language. We just added a looping construct as an example. You can write what your infrastructure looks like and deploy it using CloudFormation. If you are someone who really clicks with your infrastructure visually, we have App Composer, right? App Composer allows you to essentially kind of drag and drop your infrastructure uh, and connect them. And then you get to see what your infrastructure is code looks like. App Composer used to only support serverless resources. Now I believe it supports all infrastructures code resources. So that's kind of, you know, a big launch for us. Um, and if you are going to be using these, um, we have an integration with Code Whisper that allows generative AI to generate your infrastructure as code and assist you in making that developer experience feel really nice when you're generating your infrastructure as code to say, oh, okay, cool. Here's an example of what this might look like. And you can just tab and boot, you create, you know, the majority of it. One of the things in my own experience, so we've had the different teams on, we've had CDK, we've had CloudFormation, we've had Code Whisper, but you're kind of tying all the pieces together. It's, it's funny, you know, the different service teams, I always look at it like, I'm file new project in front of VS Code, right? And one of the things I found super interesting with Code Whisper was just using NLU to say, I need this, I need a couple S3 buckets, right? And then it's going to go ahead and generate. What you know, what do those tools look like for developers, right? Like you you mentioned Git sync. What is that doing all behind the scenes when I go into my console and I want to start working with all of this stuff, how does that integrate and look in reality? Sure. So that all, we have this, we talk about in inside of CloudFormation, this idea of a multimodal approach to infrastructure as code. One of our mm -hmm. heroes says, if I want to build infrastructure as code, I should be able to write on a crayon and hand it to AWS and have it deploy what I want, right? Yeah. We're not quite there yet, but that's the idea. We want you to come as you are and say, I want 
this in whatever language you choose. And that might be a programming language or that might be plain text, just as you said, I want to approach, you know, um, Q and say, hey, I want this. Can you help me make it? And it'll, you know, you know, link you to Code Whisper. Code Whisper will help you actually generate that. That is the idea that we have for infrastructure as code in general, the ability to take whatever mode you want to talk to us about infrastructure code and deploy it. And we use that using the CloudFormation engine. Un- underneath all of it, CloudFormation is the deployment engine that, you know, figures out right. what is the, you want to deploy, what's the order, what happens if something goes wrong, right? How do I roll back to a known safe state? CloudFormation really emphasizes that safety. Um, by saying, okay, cool, something went wrong. I can roll back to the last known state that you were in. That way you can try again if you'd like, but you at least know that, okay, everything is okay. Nothing went wrong. I can keep going with my operations as normal. Yeah. I remember when that announcement went, I was rejoicing amongst the community. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a big know, one. So we're sitting here in 2024 and one of the things, gosh, I've been, it's, it's crazy to think I joined uh, this will be my fourth year at, at at AWS. And I loved when I had switched from Alexa and that device world into the cloud world of really having that customer, everything's new. And I've slowly lost that <laughs> over the years. And so can you share, it could be a surprising story. It can be like, what is it like? Do you still talk to customers where every, like there's a manual process? Oh, and yeah. there's a copy paste. Cause I think the audience forgets that. Like if you've been involved oh, yeah. in cloud for a while, you forget just how large of a majority of IT and companies that this is, you know, this is enabling and incredible. Uh, yeah. I, one of the cool things about this job is I get to talk to folks on all sides of the spectrum, right? On, hey, we've been doing cloud for 15 years and we have this really advanced setup to folks who are like, we're just starting in cloud and we have no idea what to do. Can you please help us? Right. You would be surprised at the amount of folks who run it. Because infrastructure as code, in my opinion, is a wall in scale, right? You, you, you just can't scale your operations fast enough manually yep. at a certain point you have to interact with some infrastructure as code tool in general. Um, and you would be surprised the number of folks who don't even like, they, they have never heard of the concept and they are struggling mightily. And they write a bash script that is one line, 800 characters and works 85% of the time. Right. right? Um, and, and to show them, hey, there's a better way to do this and there's a much simpler way and we will meet you where you are. You don't really have to learn a ton more skills than what you have. You like YAML, you like JSON, here's CloudFormation. You like CDK, here's TypeScript, here's Python. You like to build it visually, here's App Composer. You're, you're focused on serverless, here's SAM, right? Having the, that, that wide set of tools to help them solve that problem is you get to see them at day zero and you get to see them in six months and it is incomparable how quickly they adopt it. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. So early on in my career, I worked for a large company. I worked for uh, Johnson and Johnson in their net. It's called NCS Network Compute Services, and so I'm writing. This is like .NET beta, so I'm writing like a lot of C sharp code, and I'm doing all these. But it was a very, it, although it wasn't called this at the time, 
it was a very, it was DevOps. You know, it was handling all of the servers and handling the deployments and uh, taking my code and, and deploying it. And there was, you know, I'm always fascinated. I've just, my personality, I'm always studying my own behavior and the behavior of other human beings. And there's always been this wall my whole career. When you say code, people take a step back. Oh, no, no, I just, you know, I, I manage servers or I'm a sysadmin. And it's almost like it's a, it's a foreign language, you know, and I have found particularly with Code Whisper, and, you know, I'll just ask for something and it'll show me the code. And I always feel like that's the way to learn, right? Is you're actually seeing what Amazon would generate because Code Whisper right. is based off a lot of, you know, a majority of our code and, it, and it's, it's safe to use. And I don't know, I still feel like after, gosh, it's been 33 years an IT career, and there's still, it bothers me every time I hear someone say, I can't code. Right. And, and I think one of the cool things about Gen AI specifically is once it generates code, if you don't understand it, you can ask it to explain. Yes. Yeah. Show I, work. I, what, I, what I, right. And I do this all the time in my prompts is I say, and if you think there's a better way I should have asked this, it'll tell you how you could have asked a better way to get a better result. It's just incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, let's be honest. It's basically magic, right? Yeah. We understand how it works. Yeah. Mm. You know, the, it's just generated the next time. It's basically magic. Yeah. Well, it's Arthur C. Clarke, right? Any sophisticated enough advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. You know, and, and it's true. So, you know, speak in, in general, right. And all of these tools, what's got you excited, you know, from specifically from the team you're on, what's coming sure. or just in our industry, you know, what's sure. got you excited? So, so two things that we, well, one thing that we just released is we released GitSync recently from the CloudFormation team. You right. point a CloudFormation stack at a, uh, you know, version control repo and CloudFormation will keep it in sync. Okay, I make another commit, CloudFormation will deploy that commit to make sure that repos are keep keeping in sync. Getting that continuous deployment part makes it really easy. Um, another thing that we recently released is uh, the infrastructure's code generator and CDK migrate, where, hey, I have a bunch of workloads that already exist in my environment. I can generate infrastructure's code templates against that existing nice. uh, those sets of resources. I've been asking for that for a while. Yeah, let me just yeah. point it at something. Yeah. Yeah, th this, is, this is a big asset we've had from customers, and we have been spending a lot of time making it feel really nice. Um, and that's, you know, one of the, the, the biggest releases that we have. I just wrote a blog about it. Feel free to check it out. Um, in terms of like long-term, I think Gen AI is going to transform this concept of multimodal, not only with infrastructure as code, but with a lot of the services that we use just in general, not only cloud, but hey, I want to explain something in plain text to you. You do that interaction on my behalf, and then you kind of explain back to me like what is happening. I think that is one of the strengths of Gen AI. Um, specifically for me, when it comes to the ex developer experience of building things, I want to be able to build things in general. Gen AI will be able to take some of these kind of vague requirements and help me understand what's going on and help me build that a little better. Yeah. And I'll, uh, if you send me the URL to the blog, I'll make sure I include that in the show notes. Is that, is yeah. that on our DevOps blog? That is on the DevOps blog. Yeah. I will send you oh. a link. Okay, perfect. And 
where can listeners find you online? So uh, I am on Twitter slash X at, at the Dan Blanco, B-L-A-N-C-O. Um, okay. And I'm also on LinkedIn, same place, uh, at the Dan Blanco. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I think this is a great uh, overview for folks who maybe haven't touched this. Maybe they're new to the cloud and they're realizing that everything in the cloud is a programmable resource that we can use to automate and iterate, save on cost and save on time. And I, uh, I love how your team continues to innovate. You are welcome back anytime. Uh, you know, I know it's 2024 and I can say, you know, I've been at AWS almost, uh, I've been at Amazon almost 10 and a half years and AWS almost four. And there is just this, I don't want to say urgency, but a feeling of like, Hey, let's not wait for the big stuff to reinvent. Let's get it out there now. And we've always iterated before, but even like the pace of change that's happening now in 2024, I, you know, the developer in me is, is super excited. So I, I, I am just absolutely looking forward to seeing how your team continues to, to innovate and thank you for everything you do. Yeah. A lot of super exciting things coming up this year. Thanks for having me.